Well, we have been, um, this is our last week in Ephesians, and it's been a journey, right? It's been a journey. Um, the last couple of weeks, just to catch you up really quickly, chapter 4 in Ephesians, we talked about the spiritual gifts. And if you missed that night, um, one of the things that we did that night was we went to giftstest.com. I think there's a slide. There you go. Go there. If you, if you haven't done it before, fill out the gifts assessment. It's super cool. Um, it, is a te- it is like an assessment, so they're never perfect. So I wouldn't take it, you know, for a fact, but it's definitely a place to start, to learn about how God has gifted you because our, our, our endeavor is to, to become all that God has created us to be. And we can do that better when we know ourselves, right? we got to know ourselves to grow ourselves. And um, you guys have heard that before probably somewhere. But uh, anyway, so check that out. Then we talked about the dichotomy last week between light and dark. Light and dark. And we learned that we are light. We learned that we are light. But Paul warns, warns the Ephesians that even though we are light, we can lose our light our influence in the world. And he cautions believers um, to not lose their light. And he says that we have an obligation. We have an obligation to shine light into the dark and to expose what's in the dark. Um, gosh, I love that song. I raise a hallelujah. And it, it, there are so many elements in there about spreading the light. And, and um, I'm telling you, when it's dark, that's when it's time to get worshiping God. There is, there is uh, something really, really good for the soul. If you can come to a place where you can worship the Father in the midst of the deepest, darkest moments, we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. But tonight we're expanding on this idea of light and dark. We're actually going to give it a name. We're going to give it a name. We're going to call it the spiritual realm. We're going to call it the spiritual realm, right? We don't physically see the light and dark all around us, it's invisible, and it is the spiritual realm. Some scholars call it the fifth dimension. We have the three spatial dimensions, right? Get a little little technical, um, height, width, and depth, and then we have the dimension of time, so it would be the fifth dimension there. There are some theories that uh, maybe there are more than three spatial dimensions, and they believe that maybe the um, spiritual realm makes up part of that spiritual, or sorry, part of, part of that spatial realm. But the reality is that it's concurrent with, with the world that we see, taste, touch, and feel, and it is very, very, very real. Um, but we don't talk about this a whole lot in church, right? We don't talk about it a ton, and I get it because it's pretty heavy. In fact, tonight, if, uh, if, if I'm talking about something and you're triggered, like, don't hesitate to, to take a breather, right? That's totally cool. No worries. We're talking about some heavy stuff. But um, none of this is intended to instill fear. In fact, I think it's a beautiful message of hope and victory that we have in Christ. Amen? So um, we need to talk about it because it is at the very core of what we believe as Christians. We believe that there is this spiritual realm that exists. When we pray, we are engaging with the spiritual realm. When we just worshiped, right, we did that engaging 
with the spiritual realm. There are all these philosophical theories about how this happened, and I don't think anybody really knows. But one of the things that we believe in, in kind of orthodox Christian theology is that God, existing in the spiritual realm, created time and space as we know it, then transcended into that spatio-temporal dimension and created the universe. Did you know that you exist in both realms at the same time? We are both physical and spiritual beings. The Bible talks about this. It, it says that we have a physical self, but then we also have a soul and we also have a spirit. And uh, one of the better, better write-ups that I've seen on this basically says that our soul is kind of our intellect, our will, and our emotions, and that our spirit is the part of us that is equipped to perceive and interact with the spiritual realm and to commune with God, to commune with God. And it may also include things like our conscience and our intuitions and things like that. So talking about the spiritual realm, what are some things that the Bible says? Um, I do have scripture references for all these, so if you want them, hit me up. But in the interest of time, I'm going to kind of go through this and hopefully give kind of a summation or description of, of what this thing is according to scripture, along with God, Satan exists in the spiritual realm as well. Various spirit beings, such as angels and demons, exist there. Most scholars agree that Satan and the demons are actually fallen angels. Their ultimate plan for evil and dominance was defeated by Jesus Christ at the cross, but they continue to operate in a limited capacity, limited power. There is a constant battle waging for each person's soul. And there are strongholds and there are principalities and there are authorities in this realm. So a couple of stories that we see in Scripture that kind of highlight some of this activity that's taking place in the spiritual realm. Um, Daniel 10 talks about a story where Daniel is praying for God's vision for the nation of Israel while they're in captivity in Babylon. And he begins praying, right? And he's praying 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 and he's not hearing anything. And three weeks passed and then this angel finally arrived and said, oh, hey, I'm so sorry. I, uh, it took me so long to get here. I was actually held up by the prince of Persia. And, um, and it took him and then Michael, um, the angel had to come and help him. And they finished up what they were doing there, and then he came. So we see that there are these, like, strongholds and these principalities in this spirit realm, spiritual realm. And First um, Peter 5.8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. So we see that, we see that our enemy is moving around in this spiritual realm. And the, the word tells us that he wants to still kill and destroy us. I don't share all of this to, to um, frighten anyone. I, I, I hope it's not scary because we're going to learn tonight what Paul says about how we can engage 
in this spiritual battle, in this spiritual warfare that every single one of us as believers will engage with in our walk of faith, in our relationship with Jesus. Paul was no stranger to this spiritual realm. He had been attacked by demons. He had been set free from jail by an angel. Um, On the road to Damascus, he um, witnessed that rare moment where the two dimensions collide with each other when he saw the flash of light and spoke with Jesus Christ. Must have been amazing and mind-blowing. Let's see what Paul says uh, and has to teach the Ephesians about this spiritual warfare, this spiritual realm, and how we as Christians can engage. We're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. If you want to turn there. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I just want to pause there really quickly and point out a couple of things. So Paul uses the word finally. This is what he's been building to, right? Um, if you've been following the journey, Paul, way back in chapter 1, he was teaching us about what Christ has done in our lives. And he's teaching us as a community um, how to have unity and how to, how to build community, how to lift each other up. And then he starts to teach us how to live all this out. And he's, he's doing this because he wants us to be mature Christians and a mature body of Christ and a mature community. And the reason for that is because we are preparing for this right here. We're preparing for this battle. We're preparing for this battle. He says, be strong in the Lord. What I want to encourage you with this evening is that you can't be strong enough to fight this battle. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I'm very strong a lot of times. And to me, that is so encouraging because he's saying saying it's in the power of Christ that we even engage in this battle. But I'm also that person who's controlling. So I'm always trying to like, I, I have a hard time letting go of things and letting God move in his way. And so this is also kind of uh, uh, convicting for me too because I'm the one who's trying to fight the battle in my flesh. I'm the one who's trying to fight the battle in my own strength. And he's saying it's the power of Christ who strengthens us. He says take your stand against the devil's schemes. This word stand in the Greek is is referring to, it's a military term, and it's referring to a battle position. And what Paul's saying here is he's saying, stand against, don't lose your position. And he says it here, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces He uses the word against a lot there, and I think he's really trying to paint this picture that this is not like wrestling with your cousin. This is a real fight. This is a battle for your life. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, 
you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flames, flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's a lot there. Interestingly, um, scholars have seen like Paul's description of this armor and, and uh, they see a lot of similarities to the typical Roman armor. And they're wondering, okay, what is Paul using as his visual here? He's in prison in Rome, probably chained to a Roman soldier. And they're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe Paul is literally right as he's writing this, he's looking at the guy that he's chained to and getting these ideas about these pieces of armor. Paul gives six things that Christians need to go into battle. Let me talk through these really quickly. Truth. This is the same truth we talked about last week. This is not necessarily a truth spoken, but a truth lived. Paul is saying we need authenticity in our lives. He's saying don't live duplicitous lifestyle. He's saying that what you believe and how you live should be the same thing. Righteousness. We talked about this last week. He, he's talking about justness. He's talking about fairness. I love the fact that we have a God who, who is a God of justice. That's at the very root of, of his attributes and his holiness is that he is a God of justice. Peace. Faith. Salvation. And the word of God directed by the Holy Spirit. Those are those six things that we need to go into battle as believers. Now, I recommend definitely look it up. Go jump into Ephesians 6, read through this, and look into it. Look at those six things. I'm not going to talk through um, further about all the six, but I do want to focus on a couple of them. The belt of truth. The belt of truth tied tightly around the waist, indicated you were ready for battle. In fact, if you loosened it, it's when you're off duty. It meant, it's like how you communicated to your fellow soldiers, like, hey, I'm, I'm off duty. But having the belt of truth on meant you were ready to go. You were ready to, to battle. And Paul's saying we need to be ready. We need to be ready. We need to be ready for that day of evil. That day of evil is just talking about a season where you feel like you are being hammered in the spiritual realm, maybe in the physical realm, uh, maybe you're battling illness, maybe a, a relationship, financial stuff, whatever. There is so much going on right now. That is that day of evil. And we need to be ready for it. Shield of faith. This is the only part of the armor that Paul actually gives us its effect. With such a shield, the believer can extinguish all the incendiary devices flung by the enemy. And when I read this, I was like, man, this is, this is crazy because it's like it's saying right there that the enemy is going to like launch, launch fiery attacks on us. 
I immediately think of like all the movies, right? All the movies where the you got the cloud of arrows coming in, they're all on fire, and it's like impending doom, and it's like crazy. But the shield of faith doesn't just block them. What does it say here? It says it extinguishes them. The shield of faith puts out the fire of the enemy. May we grow in our strength of faith. The sword of the spirit, the only offensive part of the armor. The only offensive part of the armor. And, you know, we see in different parts of Scripture, it talks about a famine of the word. And... um, Guys, you know, we don't need to give the word of God any more than it's due, but it is a powerful, living, offensive weapon. I I think Paul, uh, certainly he may have heard of the stories of Jesus being tempted by Satan. And what what did Jesus do in every instance where he was tempted by Satan? He quoted scripture. He quoted scripture, and I think about times... When I moved out here to Colorado, I was all by myself and uh, just answering God's call on my life and, and all of my families on the East Coast. I was literally in this little studio apartment by myself and it was really, really lonely, dark time. Um, and my sister, when I came out, she gave me this piece of paper that just had a bunch of verses that had been encouraging to her. And she's like, here, I've had this for a long time. Maybe it'll be a blessing to you. I read that page Every single day for like two or three years. And it was so encouraging to just speak those words of truth against the darkness that was going on in my life. And I believe the same is true for you. There will be that moment. There will be that moment. And I would just encourage you to find those verses that that just really speak to your heart, that help encourage your heart, that you can um, you can just Bring those out when when things get tough and you can speak them against the enemy or you can speak them over a friend who needs encouragement. So important. But without question, the word is guided by the Holy Spirit. The word is guided by the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. And pray in the Spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whatever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Guys, I think the word and prayer are inseparable. When it comes to spiritual warfare, the word and prayer are inseparable. And I think that's what Paul's driving home here is he's given us these, um, these pieces of armor that we can go to battle with, right? And we have all of that. And then we go to battle in prayer. We go to battle in prayer. I think that's what Paul's trying to drive home with this passage. 
So what does this mean for us? How do we engage as Christians? Paul gave us some pretty good things there, and I want to leave you with a few thoughts to think about this week. First off, everything that happens in the visible and the physical, I believe, is always preceded by that which is invisible and spiritual. You see, God is still on the throne of this world. God is still on the throne, and because he has authority, I believe everything that happens in the physical realm is preceded by something taking place, something happening, some spiritual battle that's already happening in the spiritual realm. And Paul wants you to know that to battle something in the physical, maybe it's a, 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 an illness, maybe it's a, a, a situation in, in your faith where you're struggling your faith, maybe some doubts, maybe something with your job. He's saying you need to have a perspective of the spiritual before you go battle in the physical. I believe in doctors. I believe in all that stuff. I, I think they're great, and God absolutely uses them to heal us all the time. I'm just saying before, let's invite God into that space and go ahead and make him authority over whatever is whatever we're battling. Go to him first. What if we lived every single day with the understanding and the knowledge of what's happening in this spiritual realm? How would it change how you engage with other Christians? How would it change how you live every single day? Maybe you would spend more time praying if you're thinking about this all the time, like, man, I, somebody's really discouraged. I wonder if it's a spiritual thing that's happening. Let me pray for them right now. This was a challenge that was given to me a few years back, and it hit me really, really, really hard because I believe that we need to live our lives like this thing exists because we are walking into this battle every single day, and we're either engaging with it or we're just spectating. We're either engaging with this battle and, and spreading the gospel and championing truth and righteousness, or we're just spectating. Are you spectating this evening? This isn't being weird. Okay, I want you to know that. This isn't being weird. This is believing that you really truly are a spiritual being. This is believing in the power of prayer. This is believing and knowing that the enemy is out to destroy us, and we're going to fight against that. And we're going to lift each other up and we're going to encourage each other in this community because this is what we have. We have each other. This is the body of Christ. But it is knowing, and this is, this is where the awesome message comes through. It is knowing that Jesus Christ has given us authority over the enemy. Jesus Christ has given us authority over the enemy. I don't know if you knew this. Luke 10, 19 says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. 
Now, when I was in Bible school, they taught me, they said, you need to look for superlatives. When you see superlatives, that should grab your attention. And we see one here. He says, all. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We have authority over the enemy. This is why when I'm in conversations with you guys about stuff that's happening and unleashing, um, I'm not scared. I think, it, I think um, yeah, the enemy attacks but the enemy is under our heel in the name of Jesus Christ. He's given authority over that. And this is how we battle in the spiritual realm. The next thing, if you, if you can't remember the armor, if you can't remember the armor, because I, I have a really bad memory, so I love this kind of stuff. It like helps me, helps me do better. Um, if you can't remember all the parts of the armor, Romans 13, 14 says, put on Christ. Romans 13, 14 says, put on Christ. Maybe you can't remember that truth is one of your armors. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Maybe you can't remember that righteousness is a part of the armor. Jesus says that he is our righteousness. Maybe you can't remember that peace is a part of the armor. Jesus said that in this world, you will have tribulation, but I give you peace. Maybe you can't remember faith is a part of the armor. Scripture is clear that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. The helmet of salvation. Jesus is the source of our salvation. We looked at that in chapter 1. And the word of God, John 1.1, tells us that in the beginning, Jesus was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He is the word of God. So if you can't remember all the parts of the armor, put on Christ. Put on Christ. But how do we put on the armor? As we close, I just want to challenge you a little bit. Challenge you guys a little bit. Verse 18 said, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Guys, I think the way that we put on this armor day in and day out is through prayer. It's through prayer. Not your dinner prayer. You get that? Not your dinner prayer. That's not where you're like, hey, God, can you put on all the armor and bless this food, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about prayer. Going to battle in prayer. In the spirit, you might say, well, I'm praying and nothing ha nothing's happening. And maybe it's part of God's plan for you to go through whatever it's going through or whatever you're going through. Maybe that's the case. And I think um, as we are going through challenges, it's so good for us to always be asking, okay, God, what do you have for me in this? What do you have for me in this? 
whatever personal challenges, struggles, hurts, pains that you are, in, are enduring right now or getting ready to go into or coming out of, be always praying, God, what do you have for me in this? What do you, wanna, what do you want me to learn? How do you want to grow me in this struggle? Or maybe we're praying in the wrong environment. Think about this. If you were to go underwater and try to breathe, I would say to you, you're doing the right thing in the wrong place. You're doing the right thing in the wrong place, right? You got to breathe. We got to breathe to live, right? But you're doing it in the wrong place. And I think that's what happens with our prayers. We're praying. We feel the pain. Maybe we need God to move in a powerful way and we're there and we're praying. But maybe we're praying in our flesh. Maybe we're trying to barter with God who's been there before, right? If, I, if you do this, I'll do this, I promise. We're praying in the wrong place. We need to pray in the spirit. What does that mean? I think it means, yes, we're still asking God, right? Paul said, we still bring our petitions. We still bring our requests. God said, lay your burdens at my feet. Bring me the desires of your heart, right? We're still asking God, right? But instead of, uh, instead of asking it out of our own selfish desires, right? We're asking God's will be done. Jesus, in his last moments, he said, here's what I'm asking. Take this cup. Take the suffering away from me. But ultimately, your will be done. Sometimes the Spirit has burdened your heart in such a way that almost your spirit... Uh, Paul talks about this elsewhere. Your spirit communicates for you in your prayer. But guys, we go to battle in the spiritual realm by going and praying, by spending some serious time in prayer. He says, pray without ceasing. Pray without stopping. Keep praying. And when you're tired of praying, pray some more. Keep lifting up your brothers and sisters. Pray for me also. Pray for each other. By doing so, we are going to fight this battle together. We're going to fight this battle together. So let the Holy Spirit be that atmosphere in which you pray ceaselessly. Let's pray. Father, on one hand, it's so evident the darkness that exists in this world. Let's just think about last week we talked about how much light can come from one person. It's not our light. We didn't do anything to make it 
We didn't have the spark. We didn't have anything. It's your light. So God, right now, I pray over each person here. I pray that you would remove any hindrances for your light to be just all over their lives. God, I pray for each person here that may be going through severe personal heartache. Maybe they're looking at moving. Maybe they're looking at transitioning. I know in the deepest, darkest moments of my life, I sat there and I, I kept saying to myself, I never imagined that I would end up here. Please help me, Jesus. I pray that if there's anyone here that needs prayer, you can muster just enough to say, please help me. I pray that they would just grab a friend, grab one of our leaders, just pull them aside and say, would you just pray for me right now? I just, just need some prayer. God, continue to build this community. Help us to fight this battle. Help us to take it seriously. Help us to realize that this, <laughs> this is not fun and games. There's a war waging for each soul in this room, on this in Parker, in Colorado, in the States. God, we have such a huge job to do. We need you. We need your strength to empower us to fight this battle. I pray that we can have the courage to say, here I am, send me.